And welcome back, everyone, to Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. My name is Daniel Rogers, and today I am joined by Corey Stumney. I did it right. I did it. I did it. Uh, you know, as, as a youth minister and my wife is a teacher, like figuring out how to pronounce names and doing it so you don't embarrass yourself and you know, offend the person is so important. Uh, I was at my wife's classroom a few weeks ago for Read Across America week, and I was reading uh, Fox and Socks, which is one of the best books, uh, you know, in that Dr. Seuss category. I mean, the kids love it too, because I'm like blubbering over all the words and everything. But you go around and you introduce yourself to all the kids and you're like, okay, am I going to be able to say their name exactly like they said mine? But uh, Corey Stumney is with us today. He is a youth pastor, a writer, and a part-time tennis coach. So if you have scripture questions, you can go to him. If you want to work on your, you know, <laughs> if you want to work on your serve, you can go to him as well. Um, and if you want to read a good book, you can talk to him also. But I'm going to let uh, Corey introduce himself and uh, just tell us about your ministry. You can tell us whatever interesting fun facts you want to share with us. You can feel free to share those as well and uh, drop any link. Uh, Self-promotion is we totally advocate for that here because that's one of the reasons why we bring you on. So people can be aware yeah. of what you're up to and uh, the ministry you have going on. So Corey, yeah. take, take it away. Yeah. I appreciate that, Daniel. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's great to be with you and great to be with uh, all of our listeners today. Uh, I, I do appreciate you uh, making sure you get the last name right. My last name is so hard to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> people will throw in different letters that are not in there. Uh, and I just tell people just, 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 uh, say all the letters and 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 you'll get it. Um, so uh, I, I mean I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Corey. My name's uh, my name's Corey. I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm married to the lovely Megan. She's 31. Uh, we live in Jacksonville, Florida. At the time of this uh, recording of the podcast, we uh, we uh, are about to purchase a home. So it's a little bit crazy right now. Oh, wow, um, that's awesome. Uh, and so we're kind of getting into that, but. Um, uh, my, my wife is a um, uh, she's a she's a travel agent, and, but she specializes in all of the Orlando theme parks. Uh, so if there's anybody out there listening that's trying to go on vacation, uh, you, you find me on social media. I'll, I'll hook you up. I didn't know this until she became a travel agent. Travel agents are legitimately totally free to use. Oh. Uh, it's just like either you know if you go on your cruise, uh, if you go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, it's like you're gonna pay whatever the price is. Uh, and Royal Caribbean is going to keep the 10% or they're going to give 10% to, to Megan for, for helping them out, kind of push you that way. So totally free services is kind of cool. But because she's a travel agent, uh, and we live right next to Disney and we've got two young girls, Eden and Isla, both four and two. If they're listening to the podcast, Eden, uh, I am not in the front seat. Stop talking to me. Uh, <laughs> she, every every time I get on a podcast and Megan listens to it in the car, they try to talk to me. Uh, it's not really me. Um, That's so funny. But uh, but yeah. So because uh, you know because of our two young girls, we live right next to Disney World. My wife's a travel agent who specializes in the Disney theme parks. We go to Disney all the time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, in the spare time that I don't have, uh, I, I, um, I coach tennis uh, on the side. Um, I don't know if you know this, Daniel. Um, youth ministry uh, is not the most profitable job out there. Um, right. You, I, I should have been... Um, should have been a, an astronaut, but uh, I'm, I'm not. So uh, I, I coach tennis part-time uh, on the side uh, and have kind of built a little bit of a tennis business through that. I played tennis at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, I played for them, and so uh, might as well make some money off of it now. So that's what I do. And it's actually a great thing because as ministers, it's really easy to 
just constantly be surrounded by church people. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, I mean, quite literally, what tennis does for me spiritually is, is tennis literally forces me. To, I, I never coach people who are like me. I coach That's... people who don't speak English. I coach people who uh, are religions I've never even heard of, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, skin colors, all sorts of uh, ethnicities, all sorts of gender preferences, and, uh, and and it's just it's just different. And so it's great for me to be on tennis courts with people. And so I do that um, in my even less spare time because uh, I, I need to do some more things. Uh, like you said, I, I I do a lot of writing. Um, I uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, I had a student who was um, dealing with um, some drug abuse problems in my youth group, and this is this is a forty minute story I'm gonna tell in twenty seconds. Uh, God told me uh, very, very clearly, God told me to uh, read a book with him. Uh, the problem was the book didn't exist. I didn't realize that until like three weeks after searching all the bookstores. I couldn't find it. Um, and I could not stop thinking about this. And I asked a ministry friend if he had no, knew a book about like it. And he said no. And I said, well, how do I get this to him? And he's like, well, it's pretty clear, Corey. You're supposed to write it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so I did that, and uh, a publisher out in Oregon picked it up. It's called The Man Called Messiah. Um, I know we're, we're approaching Easter. It's a biblical fiction book. Uh, and so if, if, if you're into stuff like The Chosen, uh, it's it's kind of like if The Chosen was was a book. Uh, it's 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 a drama dramatization of the last weekend of Jesus's life on earth. Wow. Uh, I know when some people think Christian fiction, they think like, Sometimes like Hallmark, where's the romance? It's not like that at all. Um, not like that at all. Um, so it, it's a really, really good book, I think, for helping you. Uh, and we're going to be talking about stories today, right? For helping you hear a story that you've heard a thousand times. And yet there's something really powerful about hearing a story you've heard a thousand times told just from a different voice. Yeah. Um, and so there's something really powerful about that. And so that's what the man try the man called Messiah tries to do. Um, uh, and and it's, so it's a retelling of Jesus's last week on earth. So I, I'd, I'd love for you to go pick it up. Uh, and uh, it, I like it. decent. 48 people liked it. Like 40, or something yeah, like that. It was a 48. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anywho, it's it's one of those things where God took a small something. I thought that I was doing this for a student, uh, and now he, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm I'm agented, and I've got more books coming out. I literally, before we got on this podcast, I was zooming with my with my agent, talking about what's next, and so that's it awesome. just kind of turned into this big old thing uh, that I don't wow. have time for, and yet here we are. And so, yeah, that's um, that's so cool, though. So. Uh, yeah, by 48, I meant he, he I looked at the book on Amazon and he had like 48 five-star reviews or something like that. So that's where the 48 number came from. Um, yeah, not that, well, you know, we, we can we can thank, uh, uh, you know, grandma and my aunt Jenny and everybody for reviewing the book. <laughs> all the youth group. So, all the youth shout group. out to grandma, right? <laughs> yeah, and all the youth group twice. Yeah, yeah. All um, the youth group twice. That's correct. <laughs> so, uh, anywho, but yeah, I, I'm doing that. I'm currently right now, uh, I'm, I'm about to... Uh, I owe my agent um, uh, yet another submission because it's never perfect, but yet another submission of a book I'm writing called Love Dad. Yeah. And uh, Love Dad, the big concept of this book is it's a um, – uh, it, the big concept is like what would it sound like 
if Jesus told the prodigal son story in 82,000 words to the American church. And so it's based off a, it's based off a family in South Carolina and it is the prodigal son story, yeah. uh, but it's just massively drawn out and Americanized. And what would that sound like? Um, and it's, it's actually kind of, you think it'd be really easy to write because the structure's right there and the structure is there. Um, but it was so, it's, it's so hard to make that story believable. Yeah, uh, because it's such an unbelievable, like a kid would never do this. Uh, and yet he did. And so it was very hard to kind of try to creatively come up with reasons like, why in the world would this actually, actually happen? And yeah. so yeah. Uh, that's not coming out anytime soon. It's going to take still probably a, a couple of years, but uh, I'm working on that. And I'm really excited about it. That That's awesome. And I'll bet the people are excited about that too. The listeners, uh, you know, yeah, being able to tell a good story like that, and make it relevant to to an audience. That's powerful because so many people they they read Luke fifteen. Well, what's the big deal asking for his inheritance? What's the big deal? You know, uh, considering eating with the swine. You know, what's the big deal that the father ran to him and fell on his neck? And so you don't you have to take that story, look at all the different commentaries and interpretations, <clears throat> Jewish interpretations and uh, interpretations from people in the Middle East, and you know, interpretations from you know scholars who sit in big libraries every day and, and figure out, okay, what is this story actually saying? And then you have to translate it and do your best to find some kind of cultural equivalent to stuff that people don't really often do that much anymore. <laughs> and then put that in the words that, you know, the, uh, the teens and young adults and everybody can understand that's, that's a task. And, uh, yeah. and, and as a youth minister, I mean, Whenever I preach, whenever I teach it, you know, conferences or rallies or, you know, uh, just sermons or, you know, whatever it might be, classes, yeah. um, I, I, I will never, and I will go to my grave thinking this, I will never change my, my, my teaching style based on the audience, unless I was like teaching maybe like second graders, uh, I, maybe you, maybe you got to change it then, but, yeah. um, man, I, I always just teach the teenagers, uh, even if I'm teaching, uh, the old person class at church, uh, uh I, I think there's a lot of people who have, um, I mean, how do I put this? I think there's a lot of people that that uh, wouldn't like to, but um, they they want they want teaching, they want preaching, they want they want class, they they want these moments um, to be fun and filled with energy. Yeah, uh, and and so uh, I, I I think that there's a lot of people out there who yeah we, you could read the commentary on luke 15 and there's a lot I, i've i've read the commentaries on luke 15 because i had to do a lot of studying for this book that i'm writing um but to make it a little bit more accessible uh to a ninth grader uh that's that, that's I, I really do believe uh in a lot of ways like my philosophy uh for youth ministry how i see myself is uh, i'm an interpreter uh for everybody listening i don't have a bible degree uh i have a communications degree i got that at harding um uh, and so i don't have a bible degree i don't know all the greek words i'm sure you do i, I don't know i right? don't i don't know uh, I, I took greek class and realized that everything i needed to know from the greek i could pull up my bible software click a few buttons and have the information and i'm not going to go uh, into academia so i don't really care <laughs> Right. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't have any of that. And so I, I feel like I'm a little bit more uh, normal. Uh, and I'm not, not calling people who have Bible degrees not normal, but, I, but I'm a little bit more like, you know, a, a math teacher than I am a Bible professor. And so I kind of view my job as a youth minister as someone who is an interpreter at the very, very uh, core of who I am. I'm an interpreter. 
I kind of know how teenagers talk and I kind of know how the Bible talks. And, and uh, my, my job is to figure out like, how can we make these two things come together? Yeah. Uh, because the Bible is so, so, so intimidating. Yeah. Um, and it's not just for teenagers. Let, uh, I mean, we, we, all of our adults that are listening, we, you, you got to admit there are so many times uh, where you pick it up. It's like, man, th- this is tough. I don't understand this. I can't even pronounce this. What's going on? How in the world is this relevant? Uh, teenagers think that way too. And, and I think a part of our job as ministers is try to figure out how can we be an interpreter? Uh, how can, how can we make this, um, you know, how, how, how can we say this is kind of like that and, and, and bridge that, uh, communication gap? Um, yeah, you know, that is one interest. That is one thing that's interesting is people don't give teenagers enough credit either. So if you're talking to a group of adults, as you would talk to a teenager, you still may be a little bit above their heads. Um, we were in a class the other night, uh, on Wednesday night for in our youth group. And I always just ask them, do you guys have any questions you want to start off with? And, uh, well, that's after we do some checking up on everybody. We kind of, we do this thing called highs and lows. So everybody goes around, what's your high from this week? What's your low from this week? And how can we pray for you and stuff like that? But then ask them if they have any questions. And these two middle school girls are on like the edge of high school, middle school. So they, they've moved up to our class now and, uh, they asked, well, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he just like stop all the evil in the world? And I'm going, yeah, that's a, that's a question that we've asked for 2000 years and nobody's come up with a totally satisfactory answer yet. So, but, but they, they ask questions like that all the time. If I'm supposed to love my enemies, does that mean I need to pray that Satan would be safe too? Cause isn't he my enemy? So should I be praying for him? And you know, it's like, you guys are so cool, you know? And how, right. how could I ever discount these teenagers as being, you know, not worth my time or something like that. Or, you know, uh, we just don't give them enough credit as adults. You know, they, they know a lot yeah, more I, than they, I, I think teenagers and adults for better and for worse. Okay. The people out here are going to hear the worst part. I'm saying for better and for worse, teenagers and adults yeah. are much more similar than we think. Well, you know, when I was a teenager, I know, I know you probably felt this as well. You're, you're thinking like, I can't wait till I'm an adult. I've got it all figured out. You know, I don't have to worry about all this stuff that I have to worry about as a teenager. And then as you get older, you're going, okay, when's this going to kick in? When am I no longer going to feel like a kid? You know, when am I going to feel like an adult? And then it kind of dawns on you as, as I hit 30, just, you know, three months ago, it hit me. Oh, wait, everybody's just pretending. And I'm all the other adults are pretending too. And so you never actually, you never actually do figure out, you just make it up as you go along and you maybe you just get wear fancier clothes. Yeah. And, and maybe get a little bit better at making it up as you go along, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think if we could all just admit that we'd have a much better time at church than having to go there and pretend that we're something that we're not, you know? Uh, For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, like we were talking about, um, you know, kind of before the show, I, I think that, oh man, I think I think there are a lot of people at my church in Jacksonville. I think there's a lot of people who would really, really grow in their faith if they valued uh, the true answer uh, over the correct answer. Hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, so often uh, we know in our heads what the right answer is, but what the right answer isn't always how we feel. Uh, I, I've, I told my teenagers this last night. I tell them this constantly. Um, God works really, really well with the wrong answer. He really can. Uh, he can do just about anything. Uh, it's a little bit more. And again, I'm using a metaphor. I understand there's no uphill sledding with God. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But um, I, 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 I think 
uh, he maybe it's this way. I think God appreciates a wrong answer more than he appreciates a um, um, a deceptive answer mm. or an answer that's um, that's that's not true to you. If that makes sense, yeah, or or an answer that's correct but that's delivered in an unloving way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, it's it's just. You know, God values transparency so, so much. He, he wants us to truly, truly, truly be ourselves. And uh, even that's, you know, all, all the bad parts, right? What do the Pharisees get in trouble for? They are constantly in trouble because they got all the right answers, but they're not necessarily the, the truthful answers because God knows, you know, and Jesus knows what's behind their lives and what they're hiding. And, and it's like, man, if you can just come out and just be your, just be yourself. You just come out and be yourself. Uh, throw it, throw, throw it all before God, and say, "This is who I am." Uh, I'm so sorry that there's a lot of wrong answers in here, but it is what it is. And I yeah. think God, you know, it's it's the song "Just as I Am," right? Right. Um, uh, I think a lot of us fake it when when we sing that song. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know a lot of us do, and so I don't know. It. it I know we're kind of getting off track. I know we're wanting to talk about stories uh, today. That was but, a, hey, that was a pretty good story. That was a pretty good story. I liked it. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so we're getting, getting to this thing of being authentic. So stories then, I guess you would say, are all about being authentic. It's about not trying to be deceptive uh, behind technical jargon and long-winded quotations of scripture, just being transparent, just being honest, because that's how Jesus operated. That's how we operate. I mean, all the time, every time you get together with your friends, it's like you're swapping stories, you know, what did you do last week? Well, here's what I did. And, you know, you're trying to like make them cry, make them laugh, you know, <laughs> make them feel compassion or something, you know, stories are a beautiful way of communicating. So, so you, you go to Harding on a tennis scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And you're going to major in communication. You're not, you're not like all these other nerds going into Bible scholarship or whatever. Uh, like myself, you know, I'm, that's what I'm working on in the degree, uh, you know, a bachelor's in uh, biblical studies and ministry or something like that. So at what point does it dawn on you? Okay. I'm being called to be a youth pastor. When does that, when does that click for you? Yeah. So when I was, um, when I was a freshman in at Harding, uh, I had heard about these people who were signing up to do these things called youth ministry internships. Now, I came from a small church. I didn't know what a youth ministry internship was. I'd never seen a youth ministry intern. But what I was told was it was basically like you show up to a youth group and the, the church pays you uh, money to just like go to Sonic and like go to the movies and do all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, hey. I can do that. I've eaten at Sonic before. I've seen a movie before. Uh, that sounds much better than going to go work for Lowe's or wherever I was going to go work for that summer. Yeah. And so I, I got this internship at Mayfair Church of Christ in Huntsville, Alabama in 2010. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, just an hour, it's just an hour away from where I'm at. Yeah. Right, right. So I, I, I got got one at, in, uh, at Mayfair Church of Christ in 2010. Um uh, I worked with, I'm sure you know these people, worked with, uh, at, at the time, her name was Jenna Lupo and Cody King and Aubrey Wood. I don't know if cool. you uh, are oh, familiar. No, I don't know it. I'm just familiar with the congregation. The, the the guy that was the minister here I told you about before, who had some health problems and had to step back, uh, he actually, his, they, they had a house in Huntsville. He just recently got married, so his wife has a house in Huntsville. So they're actually moving to Huntsville and are going to attend Mayfair congregation. Oh, here's something interesting about that. And this is kind of a shot in the dark, uh, but 
His name is Tom Scott. His son's name is Tommy Scott, who is also a Harding graduate. And they started a church in Searcy that has campuses all around the area. Uh, it's it's like Faith Fellowship or Grace Fellowship or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. I didn't know if you'd recognize that concept at all. But anyways, yeah, so there's probably... I, I, I haven't heard of Grace Fellowship. It's, um, there are churches popping up all over Searcy for sure, though. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but... You know, anywho, so I, I I went to went to Mayfair and did an internship and found out not only did I love doing that, um, but the youth minister pulled me aside and said, "Hey, I think I think you could do this actually." Um, cool. uh, and so I did another internship the next summer, and so I had planned on getting my communications degree. My my dad. Uh, did not want to pay for a Bible degree. He said, get a, get a real one. Uh, and so yeah. I got a real one and uh, with the full intention of never using the real one and just be a, you know, becoming a minister. Um, and, and, and so I, I became a minister about 10 years ago. Uh, awesome. in, when was that? Uh, 2013, I guess. Uh, summer yeah. 2013 coming up on my decade of, of doing this. And uh, it's been, it's been super fun. It's super fulfilling. I loved, one of the reasons I loved in uh, ministry is because it, it just doesn't feel like work. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily, this, this might kind of, uh, kind of make you think a little different. I, 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 I tell people I have a reverse calling into ministry. I don't think that's a true thing. I don't know. I, I made it up uh, clearly, but uh, what, what I mean by that is, um, I don't feel like God would be mad at me if I stopped doing ministry. I think I could go work at the bank. I think I could go do insurance or, you know, whatever everyone else does. Um, I think I could do that. But it's when, when I sit down, and I think, OK, what would I rather do more? Well, it's not the bank. It's not yeah. being a manager at Target. It's not going to start a restaurant. It's not insurance. I, I just I think I'm I'm decent at it, and I've got a passion for it, and I'd, I'd rather do this more than anything else. And so it's not like I feel like I'd be disobeying God if I didn't do yeah. youth ministry. It's, it's almost like a reverse calling. It's like He's not calling me to. He definitely not calling me to do anything else. Right. Uh, and so I'm I'm gonna just do the thing where I wake up and uh, it doesn't feel like I'm going to work. That's um, a, yeah. That's that's awesome. So let me tell you a quick little story. Uh, so Monday afternoon, I there's we got a couple of kids in our youth group who are homeschooled. And I've been taking the kids on hiking trails. Before I take them, I have to go myself and mark off where good stopping places are. Because as I'm sure you would know, uh, some of the younger ones, they just take off. They, they just want to go through it as fast as they can and play and see all the stuff. And some of the older teens, they want to take it slow and just kind of enjoy the view, you know. So I figure out good stopping places for them to stop and wait on us to catch up so we keep everybody somewhat together. And uh, so Monday afternoon... During my office hours, I texted these two guys who were uh, late teens and in in uh, homeschool. Said, "Hey, do you want to go? You know, find the next two trails with me." And so we went out and hiked like seven miles. And the whole time I'm going, "Am I cheating? Is this? Yeah, you know, I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, I love to I love to preach. I love to teach. I love to uh, do the youth events. And so you're right. It doesn't feel like work. And so sometimes you, you know, there's that like little part of your mind that's like are you you're cheating a little bit you know you should feel guilty about this but right. i don't and it's awesome yeah no i i tell people i i, I can go work at the bank and i would go work at the bank but yeah. if i went and did that i'd still do what i do now exactly yeah, uh, exactly so might as well just do it full time uh yeah, so it, it also awesome. really matters so so in so in working with teens you and i were talking about a while ago uh with with the power of stories you say that you try to communicate 
to everybody like you would communicate to the teenager. You're not going to, you know, step it up and go into adult preaching mode if you teach the, you know, adult, you know, retirees Bible class. So what, how do you incorporate storytelling into your sermons, into your devotionals or whatever? Uh, what does that, what does that look like? You know, like what's your strategy, I guess? Well, um, that's a good question. What my strategy is. I've done this for a decade that uh, if I'm not careful, I can kind of just go on autopilot and just just do these things because, you know, I've, yeah. I've done them for a decade. Right. Um, but um, but if I if I really you know sit down and think, uh, think about it, uh, I, I kind of think and, and for all the listeners and I'm sure I'm assuming a, a lot of our listeners are active churchgoers. I mean, there's different types of sermons. Yeah. There's different types of lessons, right? Um, and there's different reasons for different types of lessons. Um, there's there's sermons that are strictly at, at the end of the day they're, they're informational or educational, right? Like you're trying to teach something that 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 you're actually assuming most people don't know, right? Okay? Um, and then there's there's lessons that are supposed to kind of be like um, I don't know how to put like convictional, right? Sure. Yeah, you you've heard the prodigal son story a thousand times. What am I going to tell you that's new? But but we're we're hoping with 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 our time together that we are we are uh, convicting hearts. The Holy Spirit working through us is convicting hearts uh, to change, to repent, to be different, to move. I don't know whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And then there's ones that I that I feel like in, in a lot of ways are. Um, I, I would call them transform transformational, where you're hoping that um, that quite literally, you're, you're hoping that you that people see that like who they are right now uh, needs to be absolutely different, uh, uh, and, and and so you're hoping that that it quite literally can transform hearts. I think there's a little bit of a difference between that and the conviction one, although they do probably walk a little a uh, little hand in hand sure. um, at times. Um, ah, there, there's, there's ones where there, you know, there's kind of lessons where you just kind of, uh, if you feel like it has to be done kind of, uh, I want to, I want to be gentle when I say this, I'm not quite sure how else to say it, but you're slapping people upside the head. Uh, if if that needs to happen, I mean, I think Jesus had, had an ice backhand, uh, for, for people that, that sometimes kind of needed that. And so we all know that there's different types of teaching, different styles of preaching. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is what I, this is what I know we're we're wanting to talk about today. At the end of the day, I, I'm I feel very 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 strongly um, that there are few things that are more powerful to help people um, interact with the thing it is that you're doing, teaching, preaching, however you want to call it. Uh, few things are more powerful to help people interact with that than a story. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that uh, because I've seen that that power in, in my own life, uh, I think that because when I am listening and I am and I am trying to you know obtain something from somebody else, uh, it is always the story that that draws me in and helps me see the point. Um, and then at the end of the day, we talked about this as well. I, I think it was Jesus's strategy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, not everything that Jesus did was was written down, but the stuff that is written down is pretty clear. Jesus told more stories than he did uh, uh, educational preaching from the text. I mean, he did that occasionally, right? Uh, there was times when he did text interpretations at the temple where he said, hey, today this is fulfilled and you're here. He did that. But at the end of the day, he just told a lot of stories at a lot of people's houses. Yeah, uh, That's what he did. <laughs> 
he told a lot of stories at a lot of people's houses, um, and a lot of them were made up stories. And I think the, the 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 really big thing that we need to understand. Uh, so l- l- maybe let's get into this. What, what what's the number one thing that if you don't do this, you're going to get in trouble if you don't include what in your sermon? What is it, Daniel? Oh well, I know a friend who got in trouble for not including the five step of salvation invitation oh, every time. Okay. But yeah, so, so but I yeah. So, but I think you're going at going for scripture, scripture references, lots of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. If you preached a sermon and didn't have one scripture, yeah, I mean, you'd get clobbered, right? How many emails are you going to get the next day uh, from people <laughs> unhappy that you, you didn't use scripture, right? Yeah. And and here's what I want to hear. I want all of our, our all of our listeners to to hear very clearly. I totally agree. Totally agree. You you should not, in general, be preaching without using scripture. Totally agree with that. Totally, totally agree. Um, and yet, I kind of feel like it's really difficult. Um, and, and maybe this is Corey getting the way and not letting God work through him. So maybe this is just all my fault, and that's fine if it is. But I kind of feel like it's really difficult to just use Scripture um, without having really strong interpretation uh, and in a lot of ways, I think some of the best interpretation is actually used through storytelling. Um, that, that's 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 what I think. That's what I feel. Yeah. That's what gets to me the best. And again, uh, you know, uh, I speak for teenagers all the time. I, I know for a fact that that's what they need as well. And so, yes, yes, you have to have scripture in there. But I'm going to say, at least for a lot of our younger minds that me and you both represent, um, I'm not going to say stories are equally important, right? But they're absolutely vital. You got you. You have to have them, yeah. um, and this is why. This is why. Think of when King David messed up. You know, we all know the, the story with Bathsheba. Okay, King David messed up with Bathsheba, and uh, what was his name? Nathan or Nathaniel? Who was the prophet? Um, it wasn't. Yeah, Nathan. Nathan the prophet. Nathan, you, you got the Bible degree, not me, right? Uh, hey, <laughs> not yet. I don't well, get it till uh, May. I'll get it in like yeah. two months. So. Well, in two months, we'll make sure you have the correct answer. But uh, <laughs> you know, Nathan's the prophet, and he knows what's happened, right? And so he ha- he has to go confront David, right? He has a teaching moment that must happen. He has to confront David. This is one of those convictional things, right? Sure. This is one of the slap you upside the head things. This is that type of lesson that he needs to go teach, teach David. Didn't he go and quote what Deuteronomy 18 to him? And say, here's the law you violated, and here's how you interpret this law, and this is what you've done. Thou shalt not kill. You've also missed that one. Isn't that what he did? I don't think that's what he did. Oh, um, so I haven't finished the Bible degree yet, so I don't remember. Yeah, you've got to finish it. Uh, get back to. on the podcast after you finish, and uh, <laughs> and we'll help you out. Uh, no, yeah, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't pull out his scroll. He doesn't go to where what the law is that he messed up. He doesn't yeah. give some exegetical thing. On, I don't even know what that word means. I just hear preachers use it. He doesn't do all that, okay? He doesn't do that. Yeah. What does he do? He says, hey, can I tell you a story? And he tells this story about how there was this guy, and he had this sheep, and it was his personal sheep, a pet sheep. And there was this other guy who had a lot of sheep, very, very rich man. And the rich man wanted to throw a party, and, and instead of using all of his sheep, he goes and steals this guy's sheep and kills him. He's like, and, and then I love, he's like, what do you think should be done? 
<laughs> and he gets David all riled up. Riled up. David's like, "Oh, what a terrible person!" Blah, you know, of you know, absolutely, he needs to be punished. You know, where is he? And Nathan and Nathaniel or Nathan, I don't remember what they call him. Nathan, uh, he hits him with the line. He's like, "You are the man." And that's what stories are. Stories are giant times when we're teaching, and all they're meant to say is, "You are the man." Yeah. Right. Uh, that that's it. That's it. That's what a story is. You are the man, and that could be positive or negative. Preachers tell you know stories that are so inspirational. People are crying, and it's like such a happy ending, right? And then preachers tell stories where it's like, oh man, yeah, that, that that's horrible. But but it doesn't matter because if we are being true and authentic, true to ourselves, authentic to ourselves, where we're, we are valuing the true answer necessarily over the correct answer right and saying god I, this might not be uh correct but th it is what it is this is me no matter if it's positive or it's negative stories are a way of saying you are the man mm. i know for our teenagers it's so 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 difficult for them to i mean let's even use the sermon on the mount okay the, the sermon on the mount where it you know jesus is saying and you know uh, you know, when you, uh, if, if someone asks you for your cloak, uh, you know, if, so, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles. Uh, you know, if someone wants your cloak, give them your tunic too, or, you know, wh whatever he says. It's like, okay. I mean, I, I get it. That That's helpful. Thank you. Um, but if you could figure out how to tell a story, um, or, or, or more, I mean, it's, it's great to tell a story. It's, it's even better if the story is you, right? Or if the story is someone you know, because then it becomes a whole lot more, more real. It's just a way of saying like, hey, listen, this is the truth of the scripture. There's no doubt about it, but I want you to know that, that you are in this truth in the scripture. Can I tell you, and, and I, I know you said, Daniel, that you preach a lot. Um, yeah. One of the worst compliments that a preacher can get, and I'm, I'm sure you've you've heard people say this. One of the worst compliments a preacher can get is when someone comes up to you, and this this happens to me plenty. Uh, and, and again, if it happens to me, it's a bad compliment. It's it's maybe it's because I didn't do a good enough job. One of the worst compliments a preacher can get is when someone comes up to you and says, "Man, what a great message! I really wish so and so was here to hear it." Hmm. You know what they're saying. They're saying, man, what a great message. It wasn't about me, but it was about somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, for everybody who's listening, I, I'm sh everyone has said this at some point. When you say, man, what a great message. I really wish someone else was here to say it. What you're saying is, what a great message. It's not for me. I, I, maybe I'm above this message, but I know someone who's below it. Yeah. And so a story helps us see, no, 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 no. I understand that you understand the truth of Scripture. But you need to understand that you are the man. Yeah. <laughs> you need to understand that you are the man and you cannot be above the truth of the scripture. People get mad at me sometimes if, if they're like, oh, he didn't use enough scripture. It's like I used a lot of scripture. I just I'm trying to help you see you are the man. Yeah, I am. the man, Right. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to help us understand that we are a part of this. If you don't come to the scripture humbly. Then you're going to forget to subject yourself to the subject matter and say, actually, I'm I'm going to make sure that I am below this, not above this. Um, this is not an intellectual process. This is 
This is a whole core of who I am, and we're trying to figure out how is God going to transform me. And some of the best ways to do that is to just to tell a story. You know, this was uh, this is this subject's important to me because when I was growing up, I would take I would write down notes that the preacher was yeah as he was going through I'd write down notes, but all I would write down was every verse that he used. And so I remember one time I turned to my mom and I was like, "Look, he only used two verses." And my whole family was like, oh, two verses, that's terrible. And that preacher ended up, not because of me, but down the road getting let go for similar reasons to that. Um, but that's how that's how we would judge sermons. How many verses did they use? Did they use a lot of verses? Like, did they interpret them correctly? I don't know. But did they use a lot? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> and so we, we, did, we did care about interpretation, but it was that number of verses that always stood out to me. Oh, this must have been a good sermon. Look how many verses he used. And if someone used too many stories... I, my family would say, oh, we don't want to hear stories. We want to hear the Bible. The Bible has enough stories for you to tell. You don't have to bring in stuff about your own life. And uh, it wasn't until later on in my ministry, later on in my walk with Christ, that, I, that it began to dawn on me how important the story was. And so that's been, that's been super transformative for me. And one of the quotes that comes to mind, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, attributed to Alexander Campbell, but I've never read anything that where he said this, it's probably out there. I've just never seen it myself. He said, I would rather hear a sermon that only used one passage properly put into its context than 10,000 passages, you know, taken out of context. And I think that's what stories can do. It can help to put that passage into its context in a way that 87 other scripture references couldn't possibly do in a 20 or 30 minute talk. So yeah, stories have a way of, of interpreting uh, in ways that, our own jargon and you know technical language never could. There's an author you probably would like. His name is uh, James William McClendon, and he he taught the gospel through stories. He he wrote a uh, little kind of I guess like you did with Jesus and the man called Christ or the man called Messiah. Uh, he did that with people like uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Martin Luther King Jr. and people like that to to tell some truth about the gospel through a novel. So he might be an interesting resource for our readers or for or our listeners or for, or for you too. But yeah. Yeah. So well, I, I, I want to mention real quick, yeah, just, hop in. Just one hop in more there. time, because I, I really do think that there are people that just re get really caught up and hung up on, on, on how I feel about this. I just want to so abundantly clearly say it. There is nothing more important when you when you are teaching or preaching, then 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 the scripture. Yeah. Uh, there's just not. We know that. Um, what we're saying is that um, sometimes the best uh, vehicle for the scripture to arrive is a story. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes the best vehicle for a scripture to arrive is a story. Maybe even sometimes it might be a more appropriate vehicle than your own personal interpretation that you're verbalizing. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that's all always the case. I'm just saying sometimes uh, it is the, the best vehicle is just to say, "Hey, you are the man," right? Yeah. Uh, and again, this is this is not like some some hot take that I've got. It's just like all throughout Scripture, we see people doing this and using this, and, and we see people doing other things. Uh, uh, you know, all throughout Scripture, just the public reading of Scripture is so important. How many of our churches do the public reading of Scripture? Okay, we, we've got like the Scripture, you know, before the sermon that that's, you know, 
a minute long or whatever. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe we should even say our churches don't value scripture enough, the public reading of scripture. But what I'm, I'm, I'm just saying is like. They're like just because it's not a public reading of scripture does not mean it's not a vehicle for scripture um, to cross a language barrier, uh, yeah. you know, to, to get you. And, and of course, we're talking about the power of story. You mentioned a, a helpful resource for our listeners. I've, I've got one as well that I want to share with everybody. If, if if everybody's listening to this, you know, don't crash your car if you're listening to it in the car, but uh, figure out a way to write this down. Um you know, I, I'd love to talk about another podcast that that, that I've been on and I'm on regularly uh, as a guest. There's a there's a podcast out there called uh, Men at the Movies. Yeah, you need to go check it out. Uh, it's, uh, there's a couple of guys in Atlanta. I'm not going to tell you the big long story how I got hooked up with them, but um, really professional podcast, really great podcast. Yeah. Uh, and basically, every single episode they talk for an hour about the movies they love, and 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 their tagline is something like. Uh, you know, what if the movies we loved revealed a really important truth about who we are? Uh, and it's not just, oh, I love it because it's a good story. It's it's like, oh, I love it because there's something about this that feels like it's me. Yeah. Uh, again, th this whole you are the man idea. Right. And so yeah. they, they I mean, they do all. And, and again, it's it's not it's not necessarily like a, this is for Christians. Uh, they, they do movies that are like, yikes, you, you're not going to want to show this movie. Uh, at youth <laughs> at youth right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. But I've kind of become their their Disney expert because again I'm, I'm always watching Disney movies. Disney Plus is on way too much in my house, uh, and so you know we're, I've we've recorded you know episodes about Beauty and the Beast, Up, Toy Story, Moana, Hercules, you know all these classic Disney movies. Um, but even at that, like some of the, some of the, like I will never view the movie Terminator the way again after listening to that episode that they did uh, love the That's signs cool. episode if you've seen the movie signs I just love that movie period but it's it's a great great resource for exactly what we're talking about this uh, you know today which is just this idea that like hey sometimes the gospel arrives uh, really really well on the wings of a story um, and and that's what that entire podcast is dedicated dedicated to is, is, is about talking about the stories that we love and how we see the gospel uh, through these stories. I, I promise you, it uh, they yeah. they have one of your favorite movies on there. I mean, they've got hundreds the of episodes. The Princess got, Bride? They got The Princess Bride, I wonder. Uh, they've got a two-part on The Princess Bride, Ooh, I believe. Yeah, I think it was, it was too much. It was too much to talk about. Yeah. They've got hundreds of movies, so go check that out. Minute the movies. Uh, you can movies. check out the website too, minutemovies.com, well, and hit that subscribe button. You'll really enjoy it. Yeah, and if you're listening and you're like driving or something, you don't have to go and find this on your phone or remember it. Just look in the show notes. I'll post the link that you sent me of your Up episode. Uh, that was that's your favorite Disney movie. Is that right? Um, I know Beauty and the Beast is probably my favorite movie of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, it's simply because it was like one of those first movies where I like watched on repeat. You know, yeah. you, did, you rewind the VHS uh, for our young <laughs> listeners. That's a, it was this black box and it, it was a movie. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd be rewinding that thing constantly. Um, but um, uh, so I love Beauty and the Beast, but I have come to appreciate Up a lot more uh, yeah. in recent years and uh, it, just just a little um uh maybe maybe a little cliffhanger the, the whole point of that of, of of that episode when we talk about up is we talk about how christians idolize the word adventure the whole movie up is about adventure yeah um but in reality uh at the end of the movie up what you realize is um the most important 
things are actually not found in adventure. They're found in the boring things of life. Cool. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's a good episode. I really enjoy it. You should go check it out. Yeah. I'll post that in the description. That way, if anybody needs that, they can, uh, find it immediately, immediately. Yeah, so, yeah. So when we look at the teaching of Jesus, oh, well, well, first off, <laughs> the first four books of our new Testament are just stories. You know, they're not epistles or detailed explanations. It's just a story from four different perspectives of the life, the teaching, the miracles, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and his little band of uh, disciples that followed him around everywhere. I mean, so the primary way and the first way that we hear about Jesus is through stories anyways. So that's, that's a huge point. But when you look at Jesus's teaching, yes, like you said, there are sections like the Sermon on the Mount where it's mainly teaching. You've heard it's been said this way, but I tell you this way. But even in the Sermon on the Mount, the way that he ends it, is through a story. The wise man built his house upon a rock. And and how much of the Sermon on, Mount, Sermon on the Mount do we sing in our toddler classes? Well, we may sing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. <laughs> but everybody, if they haven't heard that song, they have heard of the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know, It's that, right. that story that communicates the message. Or or about Jesus and Zacchaeus, or like you said, the parable of the, the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. I mean, the primary way that Jesus seems to teach is through stories. Ooh, I'm going to ask you, that might be unfair. So in Matthew 13. Uh, ask Jesus, it. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not afraid. Okay, okay. If, if I don't have a good answer for you, I won't give it. Okay, perfect. Well, you can give me the true answer, even if it's not correct. Give me the true. I'll give you the true answer. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a, 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 a deceptive how answer. How did I word it? I forget deceptive. how I word it. Yeah, or correct yeah. answer. I don't know. Sure. Uh, sure. So in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, right? And then Jesus' disciples are like, why do you tell them stories and parables? And he's like, so that they won't understand. So how do you process that in the context of what we talked about today? Like, uh, do you, do you remember that text or do I need? Oh, oh no. Yeah, de definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, man. Again, you, for all of our listeners, you got to understand I am a, uh, I am a lowly youth minister with no Bible degree. Sure. Yeah. So uh, a lot of, the, a lot of what I have learned, I've just learned from other people, uh, which means there's a great chance that I don't have the best, you know, theology out there. Your, your, your lead minister probably has better theology than me. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, we probably value yours more. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the uh, when Jesus says that you know he's he's telling these stories so that um, and how did you word it so that people you yeah know, he says because because seeing you know uh, seeing they see but they can't see they hear but they can't hear right is what he says. Yeah, I just think that there's really important ways for Jesus uh, and and for all of us to kind of hide uh nuggets of truth and stories yeah uh you know for me that goes back to the whole uh don't feed your pearls to pigs uh which jesus says on the sermon on the mount uh you know one of the most bizarre things uh, <laughs> that i've been taught and, and, and daniel yeah. you tell me if this interpretation is wrong i've always I, i've been told by people that i really trust that what basically jesus is saying like hey he's like listen the gospel is precious um and you don't need to waste your time uh uh trying to shove it down people's throats who are not going to be accepted of it. Uh, you know, and I think that's not just a one-time thing. You know, Jesus says, Hey, if they don't accept you in your town, what's he say? Uh, you know, something about brush the dust off and, and keep going. There right. Yeah. Uh, and maybe there's a lesson for our listeners in, in that as well. Um, I think so often, uh, and this is, this is so hard. 
it's this is so hard to really accept but you know so often we want you know that loved one that we have to come to accept christ um uh, you know after years and years i mean keep praying for him uh you know please but uh you know i, th I think jesus said that the fields are are, are ready and, and they're very they're very you know the harvest is plentiful um you know I, th I think sometimes we can get way too stuck on that one that that one little withered plant that's just not gonna make it <laughs> you yeah. know this is not not, not gonna happen um but i think when jesus says you know don't throw your pearls to the pigs i think he's saying listen uh you know the gospel's precious we we don't you know if, if people truly are just uh they're not going to accept this at least not right now then move on and and do other things you know jesus is when he was when he was telling um all, all you know when he was preaching uh to you know everywhere that he went he's preaching a lot of the times uh you know to commoners to poor people you know peasants all that sort of stuff but he's also teaching a lot of times to Pharisees and religious leaders and scribes and all these really important people. And again, this is not the case for everybody. We, we definitely could understand it might not be the case for, you know, uh, people like Nicodemus, who maybe was a little bit more open to maybe what Jesus had to say. But it seems like there's a lot of these Pharisees and religious leaders uh, who are valuing the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, and yet when they were engaging with Jesus, it wasn't to see, oh, maybe he is the Messiah. Right. They were engaging in Jesus just to figure out how they could prove him wrong. You know, they were engaging with Jesus just 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 to elevate themselves. Uh, they were engaging with yeah. Jesus because they were threatened by by the gospel. And so I think when he's like, "Hey, listen, um, there's actually some even more truth that I want to tell you, but here's the deal: I'm not going to throw pearls to pigs with these people." Yeah. Right. Uh, if you've got ears here, you're going to hear it. And not only are you going to hear it, but like Nathan, you're actually going to hear it really really well better better than if we were just talking facts of scripture does it make sense yeah I, th I wonder if if it's like okay they they value detailed explanation and intricate arguments you know and fancy logic i'm not going to give it to them i'm going to give them stories the common people will get it these guys who are so full of themselves they're not going to get it and they're going to hate it you know but that's what i'm going to give them anyways because that's really what they need they need to humble themselves and see that this truth is so simple that it can be told in a story and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated through long drawn out arguments. And, you know, the I, I think, I think what you said is right, right, right there was really important. They need to humble themselves. Yeah. Um, again, um, God, I, I just don't think God works super well with insanely prideful people. It's just difficult. Yeah. Even if they're talented, the Pharisees are all super religiously talented. They had a lot to offer the kingdom of God. I think I really do think they did. But the problem is they're just like you said they're so full of themselves yeah. um so hypothetically if jesus uh you know i'm air quoting converts these pharisees to to follow him it's like I, you know, I, are, are they going to be able to actually do this the peasants and all these poor people they're already humble they're already ready for it you know what i'm saying yeah, well you kind of see a little bit of that uh you kind of see a little bit of that in like the book of Acts, when the Pharisees come in, they're very, you know, well, unless people follow our religious traditions, they cannot be saved. You know, so they have the big debate in Acts 11 and Acts 15 about bringing Gentiles in. And so to some extent, they did cause a little bit of trouble, you know, when they came in. There are others like Paul and I'm guessing Nicodemus who were just completely transformed by the gospel. But some of them held on to their 
their old ways. You know, they brought that baggage with them, with them as we all do. You know, it just affects it just affects people in different ways. So yeah, uh, I know that the one time that they did get the story, um, I think it's uh, towards the end of Matthew, Matthew twenty one. Jesus tells the parable of the landowner. He's like, and I sent my servants to check on the land, and they killed them. And I sent another guy, and they sent them away. And I sent my son, and they killed him. And he's like, so Pharisees, what's gonna happen? And the Pharisees go, oh, that that landowner is gonna come in and clean house. And then, then they realized he was talking about them. And so that's when they tried to kill him. <laughs> that's, when, that's when they tried to kill Jesus. And so, uh, you know, there was, there was also an element of what he was like protecting them almost. Because if they get it, they're yeah. going to try to kill me. There might be an element of my time has not yet come. Therefore, I need to actually tell some stories so that people don't kill, kill me a little too soon. Right? Yeah. But, but if you tell too many stories uh, as a preacher, then they will kill you for not saying enough <laughs> <in> scripture. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, that's, but I, you know, I don't know great. if this message is is landing home for anybody who's listening. But it, it again, this is this is just me talking. I am not saying that this is the way, the right way, or anything like that. But it just seems to me like the gospel arrives best on the wings of story. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know, like I said, I wrote, I wrote that book, uh, the man called Messiah. Which, by the way, I mean, it's it's so. It follows scripture so, so tightly. There's some parts where I have to embellish uh, a little bit. I mean, it's a novel, right? There's, sure. there's only so many words in the gospel. Um, but, it, but it absolutely, I believe, sticks to the spirit of what's going on, kind of just like the chosen. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and again, it's just there's something powerful about hearing a story that, you, that you've, you've heard a thousand times, but maybe you, you hear it told from a different voice. Yeah. Um, and it's what I'm doing with, with, with that new book. It's, uh, you know, you've heard that prodigal son story a thousand times, um, but, but there's something powerful about hearing it maybe slightly in a different tone or maybe in a different language or however you want to put it. Um, and that's why I just think, uh, you know, every single preacher on Sunday morning when, when they're when they are teaching their their crowd no matter if they're going for that informative thing whether they're going for that um conviction thing whether they're going for the transformation thing um you know what whatever it might be um i just kind of really really do buy into this idea that man um i know if if Corey's youth group shows up to church uh it's going to be really you, – you, you, it'll be the final nail in the coffin if you can tell us a fantastic story that helps us see, uh, you know, positively or negatively, but helps us see uh, you are the man, whatever that's, that means. That's awesome. I was thinking of another book that, uh, that has some good stories in it. Uh, it's, it's by Rachel Held Evans. It's called Inspired. Between every section, she takes a Bible story. The very first one she does is uh, Hagar, and she sort of – puts a twist on it or you know as, as you talked about sort of maybe add some dramatic flair to it but it, it makes it hit home more than it ever has you know because it's delivered in story form and so yeah that's awesome and hope hopefully I, I, I think before we wrap this conversation up i know uh we're we're getting close to time but yeah. um um quiz for you daniel what's the best selling christian fiction book of all time oh you know? it would be the left behind series right left behind series or is it the shack no it'd be left behind series right i don't i actually don't know i don't know if it's a, I, I didn't even think about that one uh you know because there's legitimately so many books in that one i don't know if that if that's fair or if that counts sure. it, maybe it's not the best-selling book of all time i please listeners don't go look this up <laughs> um again i'm trying to be transparent not not correct um but um 
at least top five best-selling Christian fiction books of all time is Redeeming Love uh, oh. by by Francine Rivers. I don't have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. Um, did you watch did, the movie? Did the movie just come out? Yeah, out? I think we did watch the movie. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Re Redeeming Love was written, I think, in like 1991. Um, just absolutely, it's just one of the best-selling Christian fiction books of all time. It's so amazing. Uh, and for everybody who hasn't uh, read that or watched the movie, because again, yes. they just made it, it actually made a pretty good movie from it. Uh, and just a quick tidbit of that, there's a lot of people who didn't like that movie because it had some absolutely pg-13 stuff in there oh. uh but the movie was made yeah. by universal studios so it's not a, it's not i mean it's it's a movie based off a christian book but it's produced by an absolutely secular studio like the, in 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 the book there's a lot of adult content in it anyways but yeah but uh, yeah, hosea, yeah. there's a lot of adult content yeah. in hosea anyways so if you don't know if you don't know what it is it's a uh, not a modern day retelling like my book's going to be. It's it is a eighteen uh, fifties ish retelling of the book of Hosea, and it's yeah. about this guy named Michael Hosea, and he's a farmer, and he just gets this sense that God has asked him to go to this brothel and start buying this girl's time, uh, and eventually uh, get her to marry him. And if you read this book, man, it's just you need to read it, Daniel. You really yeah. And he's and he's buying her time to try to convince her to marry him, not to like sleep with her or whatever. But that's right, right. But he's her name's not Gomer. Time. What'd you say? Her name's not Gomer. It's... Uh, no, thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, what, don't, don't ever if you're listening and you got a daughter coming up, don't uh, leave Gomer <laughs> off the list. Uh, but um, anywho, uh, they uh, you know what's so powerful about that book is. Um, is obviously it's a, it's a retelling of scripture, uh, but but in a uh, in a you know eighteen hundreds kind of a time, yeah. And I I will never forget after after I read the book the first time, which by the way it's I mean just um, writing wise style wise it's just it's a fantastic book. It's a fantastic read, fantastic structure, all that sort of stuff. But I'll never forget the feeling I felt after I read that book, and the feeling was this. I didn't even feel like, oh, man, God loves us this much. Um, the feeling was, oh, man, I need to be a better husband. Uh. That, that's how I felt. Because the main character of that book loves this girl so, so much and put up with so much of just truthfully just horrific sin against him. Yeah. And, and I know the, the point is like, hey, that's how God feels about us. I was inspired to be like. I mean, I get so mad at my wife when whatever, yeah. you know, um, I just think that there is something so, so, so powerful about hiding the gospel in stories. That's awesome. Yeah. Where you say, I, I am the man and not only am I, I'm the, am I the man? I'm putting this book down and I'm going to go treat my wife a lot better. I'm going to go be a better dad. I'm going to go be a better husband i'm gonna go be a better church member i'm gonna go be a better servant i'm gonna go be a better whatever it might be because again uh the gospel i think rides best on the wings of stories and allows us to really really hear jesus say hey actually you are the man yeah that's awesome that's awesome you know uh redeeming love that was an excellent movie i was trying to place it in my brain when you said it because it's been so long since we watched it but yeah as soon as the details started coming and all just flooded back. Yeah, what an awesome movie. And I definitely get that feeling of 
I need to be a better husband. <laughs> you know, it's he, on Peacock. Uh, if anybody has the Peacock, is that Peacock is? subscription, uh, yeah. go go watch it. But but more importantly, go buy the book and read it because of course the book's better than the movie. So. Of course, right? And of course, the Bible Hosea is better than the book. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had to say that. No, uh, I think we rented it because you can rent movies on Amazon for like two or three dollars sometimes. I think that's how we got it, maybe. But yeah, it was it was excellent for sure. Um another good one was The Shack. That was the other one I was thinking of when you mentioned I thought, "Oh, he's, is he talking about The Shack?" But then I had to go back to Left Behind. I don't know. I'll I'll Google that after and like sharpshoot you, but uh, I'm not worried about it. I know what you mean, the sentiment of it. But man, Corey, dude, thanks so much for coming on. This was a delight. Uh I, it was interesting. I I made a just a general post in one of one of the Facebook groups asking people if they wanted to be on the podcast. And he's first one that responded and it's kind of a risk. Cause like who, you know, who are you bringing on? You know, what's, what's this going to be like, but it ended up being perfect, I think. And uh, I hope the listeners appreciate it as much as I did and go down to the description right now, follow his stuff. He's got a website. looks great by the way. I love your website. Uh, purchase, purchase his book. If you can, if you can't, uh, you know, save up some money, then purchase it. But don't, you know, don't, don't like sell your kid to purchase the book. Um, and if everybody's interested, I, I will say <laughs> this. Uh, if you are interested in the book, um, you can just reach out to me through my website. Um, uh, I have also, uh, I, I've, I've meant to publish it, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I've, I've got a, a chapter by chapter devotional or small oh. group that goes along with it for anybody awesome. who's trying to do a book club or, yeah. you know, uh, you know, study something with some people or just have cool. personal, quiet devotional stuff. Um, I've got that too. I'd love to email it to you for free. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So definitely do that then. I mean, these resources are available. Why not take advantage of them? But brother, thanks so much for joining us today. And I uh, just keep up the excellent work with your ministry, your tennis coaching, your writing. I'm just excited to know you and hopefully we can continue to be friends after this podcast is over and uh, share some youth ministry tips with each other. See, yeah, I, I've, I've, I'm in my 10th year of ministry. Or I just, well, I started in 2013 as well. So mm. I've just finished 10 years of ministry too, but I'm only in my second year of youth ministry. So I've got a lot to learn and wouldn't mind uh, touching base with you on some stuff. But yeah. anyways, yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, do you have anything else to throw out there before we close it Close it out? Man, not much. It's It's been a blast. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I, you know. This is just between me and you, but have me on again. I'd love to do it. This this is fun. I, I've just kind of gotten into this uh, this podcasting thing. I don't yeah. have a podcast of my own. I just I, I'm starting to get on a lot of other people's. It's really great because I don't have to do any work. I just show up and I just talk. Yeah. Uh, well, so you let me you let me know when when I'm coming back and I'll, I'll come on. Yeah, we'll stay in conversation and figure out what we what we could do next. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for for joining me. And uh, guys, if you can leave that five star review on iTunes helps us out a lot. Subscribe if you'd like. Uh, whatever smash that thumbs up button i don't know what the kids say these days uh but just whatever way you can support the podcast has been is helpful to us and if it's helped you it may help someone else as well it's not below you right i love that uh but it sure would be great if my cousin tom would listen to it well if it means a lot to you why don't you just go ahead and share it to your cousin tom uh, so have a great day guys and uh, god bless thank you man that was pretty good i appreciate that